Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Kaylin Patterson, P4P Real Talk Midwest Muscle in the house, in your eardrums, not in front of your eyes, not yet, but we are working on it. And someday, some way, hey, it will happen. Anywho, if you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation to stand down in a vehicle to draw of your goals like what other right? <laughs> and she said nothing. So we're going to say like like a Mack truck through ice cream, and then we'll get back to that. Um, and for everybody that was a part of Mother's Day last week, really, really excited about that. Uh, I'm kind of overwhelmed by the, the people that basically messaged after the show had gone off. I had no idea we had so many fans of the James Bond movies, especially the, the Sean Connery edition. Guys, thank you. Really appreciate everything you did with that. Um, a lot of the information, if you just listen to the show uh, at the beginning, she we'd give a breakdown of how she did and who she is and how much she's done after those shows. But it's it's always nice to really have the history breakdown from someone who's basically been involved in it from day one. And she, Miss Trina Parks, is the one I'm speaking of. It's just an amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amira had done a great job as well, and I'm really happy that uh, you guys are really, you know, rooting for the mothers that work really hard. And, you know, even our own Desiree. But, you know, just thanks so much for that. Uh, Miss Trina Parks has done a lot uh, in the communities that she's involved with. She's still very active in dance. I can I saw it firsthand. She is a very lively dancer. And if you go to our pages on her page, you'll see her interacting with uh, our own very own JoJo. Bison and also with one of the children that was just uh, making so much life because she was just blown away by how much her dad loves the movies, her mom loves the movies, and so now she's a James Bond fan as well, and they just opened up the Sean Connery uh, movies to her, so it, it's really something to to know and see, and, and, and just to have our PVP listeners blessed to hear, and we were blessed to have her on. Uh, Des, are you with us? I am. I am here. I was actually, I actually said like a Mac truck to ice cream, but nobody heard me. <sighs> no, no, we did. <laughs> Clearly, because you said, and she said nothing. <laughs> now you know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> no, now you know how I feel. When, uh, I no, no, now spot. you know but how I But you know, I it feel. happens. Yeah, now I know how you feel when you're trying to talk and you can't. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You remember? Do you remember back in the day, like when we were first getting started, almost six years ago, and uh, you would mute yourself, <laughs> and yes. nobody would know why, where you went, or what was happening. Oh my goodness! Good times, good times. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor fella. He didn't know oh, Poor little guy. <laughs> okay, I digress. <laughs> I digress. 
I digress. Yes. I hope all of our moms out there had a fantastic Mother's Day. I know I did. Kaylin, I know you and your mom had a great day. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in last week. And thanks for tuning in tonight because we have got a special guest. He's going to be talking to us about uh, on a topic a little different than what we normally cover. We usually talk about um, natural bodybuilding. We talk a lot of things, health and wellness. Um, and we talk about natural bodybuilding being a sport where age is kind of just a number, where, you know, even though you might be older, that doesn't mean that you can't compete well in the sport. And so we're kind of taking this to the next phase of um, (laughs) discussing health and wellness for our aging generation, not necessarily anyone who wants to compete on the natural bodybuilding stage, although I'm pretty sure they probably could, but just in general, you know, the baby boomers are pretty much taking over the world. They are the world right now. And uh, if you're like me, your your parents are boomers. If you're a little bit younger than me, your grandparents are boomers. I don't know that there isn't anyone out there right now that really isn't impacted by that generation. And so our guest tonight um, specializes in this segment and this demographic. In fact, he has started um, – He's co-founded his own business called the Functional Aging Institute. He's co-authored a book about helping this demographic with their health and wellness needs. And that he is Dan Ritchie, and he's with us tonight. So, Dan, if you would introduce yourself to our listener land, tell the folks a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in this whole craziness of functional aging. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um <clears throat> Well, I got started uh, actually training athletes. Um, I got my uh, strength and conditioning specialist certification and my undergrad in um, fitness and sports medicine and and thought I wanted to train college athletes, did that for a little bit and realized I didn't really want to make a career of that. And so I moved on to get a a master's degree. And while I was doing that, I really just fell in love with training people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, most of whom came to me because they wanted to do something athletic, right? They wanted to keep downhill skiing or they wanted to improve their golf game. Um, And probably what really got me into this was a client named Don, was 72. And this is uh, almost 20 20 years ago now. Don was an eight-handicap golfer, which I'm extremely jealous of. And uh, he had trouble teeing up his own golf ball because he'd had multiple knee replacements. And... uh, couldn't tie his shoes, was just having range of motion issues, right? I mean, he's a great golfer. He came into the club all the time, but he just just couldn't couldn't do some basic things, right? He's like, my fitness goal is to tie my own shoes again. And I said, well, why do you really need to do that? He said, well, honestly, I need to be able to get a birdie put out of the hole. I need to be able to tee up a golf ball without feeling like a teetering, tottering old man. And after four weeks of training him, he came in, and he's like, hey, Dan, check out my shoes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've never had a 72-year-old guy say, hey, check out my shoes. That was kind of the weirdest thing I'd ever heard. I looked down at his shoes. They're beautifully laced. I realized, oh, he's wearing tie shoes for the first time, and he must have tied them. By the time I look back up at his eyes, there's tears in his eyes. Now there's tears in my eyes. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. 
I changed this guy's life in just four weeks, and I was hooked. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And uh, I decided I wanted to become an expert. So I, I moved on from there to Purdue University, where I live now in West Lafayette, Indiana. I got my Ph.D. in uh, exercise physiology, um, kinesiology, with a minor in gerontology, studying aging, and spent spent my Ph.D. focused on balance, agility, and movement for people over the age of 65. And so that eventually led to me launching the Functional Aging Institute because I want to teach everybody uh, how to do it and what we've learned and, and make sure people are aging uh, optimally. Well, that's awesome. And I I can just envision the love fest you're having with that, that client of yours tying a shoe. And, you know, it really is the simple things in life that we take for granted until we can't do them anymore. And I think that is a critical aspect of aging gracefully and living life to the fullest is to being able to do all the little things or what we consider to be simple things as long as you possibly can under your own steam. And so I think this topic is really exciting for all of those reasons because I'm also watching my mom and she's getting older and she's starting to have some you know, some health concerns, and she's trying to battle them as best she can. And as her daughter, I want to be able to help her, um, you know, be as successful as she can in that area. But before we get too far down the road on this, Dan, we have a question from a Dan, and he wants to know if you can elaborate a little bit more on what functional aging actually is or give us a little um, fuller definition of that. Yeah, yeah, I love that question. Well, really, when we talk about functional aging, uh, what we're really talking about is is combining longevity with functional ability. And so it doesn't do us any good to, to age to 100, but not do it functionally and do it well. Um, in fact, most people would say, well, shoot, I don't want to live to 100 if it means I'm not going to be independent and functional and able. And so, right. so yeah, when we talk out. about aging, what we're really talking about is is not just extending the lifespan, but extending the quality of that lifespan. So if you're going to live to 92 years old, we want you to live to 92, functional, independent, have the strength you need to do whatever it is you want to do. And so the way we, we try to simply define that is say, there are things in life we need to do, there's things in life we like to do, and things in life we want to do. And if you get to the point you can only do the need to do things, right, like bathe yourself, dress yourself, go to the bathroom, if you can only do need to do things, you're not living a really full life, right? You have to no. still be able to do what you like to do and want to do. And so we say, hey, it's different for everybody, right? Some people say, hey, I still want to downhill ski. Hey, I still want to water ski. Hey, I want to, I want to boat. I want to hike. I want to play golf. I want to... Well, if those are the things you want to do, then we need to train you to functionally age for those things. Other people say, you know what, I just want to take the grandkids for a walk in the park, and that's the functional ability I need. And so it's different for everyone, but, but functional aging is really about maintaining the function to do all the things you want to do to enjoy life. Um, and so it doesn't mean you have to be a bodybuilder, though you certainly can. We have bodybuilders in their 80s yeah, you taking can. the yeah. um, but. It's really what are the things you need to do, like to do, and enjoy doing in life, and how do we train so that you can do them as late in life as possible, right? If you're still doing the things you love to do in your 90s, then you can absolutely enjoy your 90s, right? So that's really what I'm talking about. Yeah, and uh, 
you know, this kind of hits close to home to me because after being in a really horrific accident, uh, the very basics of life were not so basic because it was hard to get my body, to learn my body again. And it just seemed like you need help from everybody. And it it, it is depressing because, yeah. you know, you're no longer you and you can't really do anything for yourself. And it seems like everything that comes out of your mouth is a question asking for some kind of aid or help. So I can only imagine, you know, getting up in years and and not really having a body that wants to work with you anymore. So, you know, how do you walk? Imagine if you had had that scenario 40, 50 years from now and you weren't in good health or good fitness or good strength, how much harder it would have been for you to recover, right? And so one of the things we tell people is life's going to throw stuff at you, right? I mean, there's going to mm-hmm. be challenges that come, and, and we're not – you can functionally age really well. It doesn't mean you're not going to get cancer in your 70s or heart disease or need a joint replacement or, or have someone, you know, have a car accident. I mean, we, we tell stories about people in their 60s and 70s who have been hit by – somebody texting and driving, how do you bounce back from what life throws at you? Well, you have to be aging really well, right? Uh, You don't want to be that 70-year-old who's literally one accident away from essentially falling off the cliff of aging, right? It's sort of like you're one slip, one trip, one fall, one accident, one illness from really needing full-time care. And if you're training well, if you're maintaining your fitness and health, then you can bounce back, right? Like we have a client here, Lance, who can do anything. I mean, you name it, he can do it. Um, Well, all of a sudden he gets cancer at the age of 79, and he's fighting through it just fine. He's now 82 and still going strong. Um, But if he hadn't been training with us for the last 10 years, I don't know that that would have been the same. And so um, it's not like we're saying this is some sort of a, a panacea of like, hey, nothing's ever going to happen to you. Stuff's going to happen to you. There's no doubt. The question is how able are you to respond and bounce back? And so uh, functional aging, when we look at it and we say, hey, what does it really take to, to age well? We we try to break out all the components that people need to be doing as they age to, to preserve their strength, their balance, their agility, their ability to fight disease, their immune system, their cognitive health. Brain health is such a big Thing too, so there's a lot to it. And it sounds like it too. And I want to talk more about as many of those factors as we can, along with some other things. But before we do, we've got a good question here from one of our listeners. Her name is Sheila, and she wants to know how do you walk a parent or relative back from the depression to even want to get them to move better or improve? So I mean, it's one thing when you have your older client saying, "I want to keep doing these things." help me keep doing them but what about the other side of the equation where you know some of the some of the aging population has just they feel like it's too far gone and they can't it's just beyond them how do you get them to say let's do this yeah that that's honestly that's a really hard question um there's not a a clear answer on that i'm not going to be able to give you like here here's the the clear answer but Usually what I tell people is, first of all, the, the person has to has to know what their why is, right? And so if they don't have a mm-hmm. reason why, um, then it doesn't really matter, right? If they've given up on their purpose for living, 
um, then it's really hard to convince them, hey, mom, you should do this exercise program, or hey, mom, you should walk, or hey, mom, you should be more active because it's going to improve your quality of life. If the person doesn't have a why, um, then it's really difficult. And so I always start with the why, right? Like, why would you like to feel better? Why would you like to move better? Why? What is it you would like to do? Um, why do you want to enjoy life? Um, and if the person can't answer that question, right, if they're struggling with depression, if they've literally given up the hope and desire to live, which some people do when they get to a certain age because they don't feel well, they don't move well, they're not independent, um, we have to get them to start thinking about, well, what is it you'd like to do? Um, and so mm -hmm. I, I, I like to share inspirational examples with people, you know, because I think, unfortunately, we're all sold a bunch of lies when it comes to aging, right? We, we think, oh, to be 80 is to be sick, or to be 85 is to be frail and weak and dependent, or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. we, we believe that to grow old comes with negative things, but if I share with you pictures of Dr. Charles Eukster wakeboarding at 94, and it looks like he's absolutely having the time of his life, it starts to change your perception of aging, right? You go, oh my gosh, he's doing that at 94? Like, I can't wait to be 90 and have time to learn wakeboarding, right? If I show you pictures of Johanna um, doing a, a Olympic-style gymnastics in her 90s, things that I can't even do, it changes our perception of what age can be. And so I think we have to reframe the perspective for some of our um, older relatives and friends to say, hey, this is actually what's possible in your 70s, 80s, and 90s, but it's possible if you want it, right? And, and why would you want it? Do you want it so you can have a better relationship with your kids and your grandkids? Do you want it so you can volunteer? Do you want it because there's one more trip you want to take? Right? I love sharing Joanne's story. Joanne was 81 years old, and she desperately wanted to go to the Galapagos Islands with her husband before she couldn't. Right? It was just like, this was the last trip of my lifetime I really want to take. She had Parkinson's disease, and she could barely walk a block. But her why was so big, she was willing to do whatever we told her. Right? We're like, hey, if, if you trust us and we train you really hard for the next year, you can go to the Galapagos Islands and enjoy it. Uh, and she did. Um, and so sometimes we just have to find out what's the why, um, because if people don't have a why, if they don't have a reason, if they're just so inwardly focused on the negative, um, then yeah. there's, there's no way we're going to pull them out of that. And so we have to uh, make them realize that there are bigger possibilities. Um, and, and sometimes, honestly, uh, people over... 60, 70 do struggle with depression, and they do need someone to work on their mental health. They need to see a counselor or a professional um, because it's not just, hey, you need to exercise. I mean, they seriously can be depressed. I mean, people lose their spouse. They lose loved ones. They have to move out of their home. There's a lot of things we don't always think about, like why is it such a big deal that mom had to move into a different home? Well, that was her home for her whole life, right? Like she lost her spouse. She lost her home, and and we just expect them to not be depressed. Like, I mean, it's a, a significant yeah. transition in life, and sometimes people underestimate that. And um, and I think um, historically what we've seen is people over 70 um, have not been as, as open or ready to admit they need help with their mental health and depression. Um, they, mm. They're sort of that generation that just, you know, 
sucked it up and toughed Tough it, it out. out. Yep. And really talk about their feelings maybe as much as they should. And, and a lot of times we need to sort of steer them to, hey, no, it, actually it's, it's a good thing for you to talk to your pastor. It's a good thing for you to talk to your counselor. It's a good thing for you to deal with your grief and your life change and, and some of those sorts of things and work through those things. Yeah, um, one of the things that I, yeah, I've always seen, especially, you know, interacting with the hospitals and uh, the sick and elderly, is that they're being pushed, pushed aside, and that's the way they feel. So they don't feel uh, a need to speak up as much or as often because they feel like they're getting in the way. And, you know, like I'm glad you brought up the mental aspect of it because, you know, a lot of times, well, not, not a lot of times, all the time, it's your mind that goes before your body does because, you know, they're, they're kind of taught, you know, as you age, you can stop doing this and don't do that. And you might get yourself hurt. And, you know, we're not, like you said, if we're not paying attention to what we're saying, a lot of times we're not paying attention to what they hear. So, you know, I, I like this. I actually didn't know what to think about this topic until we started engaging in it. But I can see there's a lot of facets that as a younger generation, we're going to have to be mindful of to basically encourage them to want to do better and to even know how to initiate the conversation to get that conversation started. You got any tips on that? Well, again, I, I like to share stories, right? Um, and, you know, one of my favorite stories uh, is of a very, very famous person who we all know um, spent basically his entire adulthood in prison, um, was, was basically forced into prison in his 40s, and spent 27 years in prison, but he didn't sit idly in prison. Um, now, he wasn't in nice prisons with good facilities. I don't think there was a weight room, but he did push-ups and sit-ups, ran in place. In fact, in one of the biographies, he drove his inmates nuts uh, because when he got in a big enough cell, he'd run laps. Um, but because he did that, when he came out of prison at 72, he wasn't an old man, right? In fact, Nelson Mandela became president of South Africa at the age of 75, and I'm convinced he would not have become president if he was a frail, weak old man, really like we would have expected him to come out of prison, right? I mean, after you spend your entire adulthood in prison, we don't expect you to come out robust, vital, strong. Uh, goes on to become president of South Africa, lives to the age of 95. Um, so here's a guy who basically said, I don't know if I'm ever even going to get an opportunity to do anything with my life. Uh, but if I do, I'm going to be ready, and I attribute it largely when I read the biographies to his discipline to take care of his body um, while he's in prison. And so anybody listening, look, if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, you need to be exercising because you might do amazing things in your 70s or 80s, but you're only going to do that if you're physically able, right? Like uh, my own grandmother, for example, decided in her 80s, to go to Pakistan, of all places, to teach English as a second language to Afghan refugee women who were coming across the border. Well, there's no way she would have done that if she wasn't robust, strong, a little bit crazy, and completely independently <laughs> free, right? Um So she had to have physical ability, energy, strength, um, obviously strong mental ability, and, and really a mindset of, what does it matter that I'm 81? Why can't I go do it, right? Uh, these women need it. I can do it, um, so I'm going to go, 
right? Um, and so we need more and more just examples of that. Like there is no, I say this repeatedly, there's nothing innately in humans that says, I can't wait to turn 65 and be useless, right? Like we might say, I can't right. wait to turn a age and retire, but nobody really says, I can't wait to be completely useless, unneeded, unproductive, right? Um, the reality is we actually want to be productive, purposeful, and meaningful every day for the rest of our lives, right? Now, that may take different forms. Um, it, may, it may be that I slow down and spend more time doing my art, painting, music, spending time with my grandchildren, but nobody really wants to be useless. And so if we have that mindset of how we're going to age, then it should inform so many different decisions we make in terms of how we eat and how we manage stress and physical activity that we get and exercise training. No doubt. And that, I mean, you know, you see so many people when they retire, um, some of them retire well, some don't. Some go back to the job force because they can't handle not doing something with themselves or having a purpose. And I think even just focusing on your health and just living life to its fullest is part of defining what your purpose still is in the world, even if it's not tied to a job. So I think there is so much opportunity in this field. Now, we have a lot of trainers that um, also listen to our show around the world here. Talk to us about this opportunity. Give us a few stats on the boomers and just how big is this demographic and their need, you know, for maintaining, I guess, health and wellness or, you know, how, what is the potential for serving for someone in the – I guess, personal training or health and wellness fields to serve in this area? Yeah, sure. Well, the, the opportunity is absolutely massive. Um, we, we grossly underestimate the opportunity because the vast majority of, it, of us in the fitness world, personal training world, just don't see this population, right? We work in, in big box gyms. We work in personal training studios. We work in CrossFit places. We work in MMA gyms. Um, all of those places don't cater to baby boomers, and so we don't no. see them. We go, well, there's not that many older people actually interested in working out, which is completely incorrect. It's just they're not interested in working out in those places because those places are designed for their kids, right? In fact, a 60-year-old woman walks in to those places and immediately knows I'm in the wrong place, right? And so if we design programs, spaces, facilities um, for people in the baby boomer age range, we see the opportunities massive. 55 to 73-year-olds in 2019 make up the baby boomer generation. There's 76 million of them in the United States. So about one out of four people in the U.S. Uh, are baby boomers. Over the age of 73, we have about another 30 million people. So when we go 55 plus, we're already over 100 million people, about one out of three wow. in the United States. But here's the crazy thing, about 80% of all the spending power, all the wealth is in the 55 and up generation. So some people True. say, well, yeah, I really want to go after people in their 30s and 40s, and there's plenty of them. I'm like, well, that's great, but they only have 20% of the spending power. So to me, I want to spend my time going after clients that have the money, have the time, have the need, and for the most part, no one's competing for them. The competition is very light. Um, there's very few people competing 
to get 62 to 72-year-old clients. They're just not going after them. And so but the opportunity is massive. And the really cool thing is that when you get a 62-year-old client, you virtually cannot get rid of them, right? Because when they turn 63, they need you more than ever, right? They're like, well, shoot, I can't yes. stop because I don't want to go back to who I was a year ago. So they're hooked, right? You become the best medicine, the best drug they've ever had, um, which is why so many of our clients have been with us seven, eight, nine years um, because they really don't have a choice, right? The alternative is is so negative. Um, and so they're much better long-term clients than even young people because, you know, if you help a 35-year-old female lose the 20-pound baby weight, she's like, great, thanks, I don't need you anymore. Um, whereas the 58-year-old female well, she's like, well, shoot, this is the best I've felt in 20 years. I don't want to go back. And so so the opportunity is massive. Um, and I think we're going to see uh, a franchise explosion here in the next two to three years of more and more people entering the fitness industry specifically with businesses focused on this age group because it's not going away. Um, Gen Xers in the next five years are going to start turning 60, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and the baby boomers are going to live a long time, right? So the baby boomers who are 55 to 73, they're going to live another 20 to 25 years, and so they're going to be clients for a long, long time with a lot of money to spend. Um, so huge opportunity. So I think it's probably safe to say that you and um, your partner in crime, or I'll call him your right-hand man, Cody Seitz, you're you're pioneers in this area. I mean, Silver Sneakers has been around for a long time, so people have kind of been, you know, on the outskirts of providing fitness for this demographic, but this this is beyond anything that what Silver Sneakers was doing. I think Silver Sneakers was kind of a nice to have, but this is something that is actually, I could see, taking hold and really turning around the um, quality of life opportunities for folks 55 and over. So I know you guys are out there on a mission. You have your Functional Aging Institute to help spread the word and elevate the presence of this opportunity. So can you talk to us a little bit about the Functional Aging Institute and then also the book that the two of you put out about this topic and um, just let people know if they are interested in wanting to become a part of this movement, how do they get involved? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, Silver Silver Sneakers has been around a long time, um, and I always say Silver Sneakers is what we call traditional senior fitness programming, uh, which is really not at all what we're about. Um, and And really the transformative thing of senior fitness is that baby boomers are the biggest generation we've ever seen in the United States until the millennials came along. And the millennials are only about 2 million more than the baby boomers. And so we've never had this many people turn in 65. We've never had this many people um, essentially becoming seniors. And boomers don't want senior fitness. In fact, boomers are saying, I need something a whole lot better than that because I'm not a senior, right, even though they might be 70 years old. So I always say, don't call someone who's 65 a senior because they don't think they're a senior. They think their mom is a senior. And so yeah. we have designed training protocols and programs that will challenge someone who's really fit that's 70 years old and someone who's a functional mess at 58, right, because it's not really about age. You could have someone who's 72 who's totally fit and robust, has no joint issues, can really get after it, 
somebody else who's 58 who's got multiple joint replacements, you know, is just a mess, right? Has all kinds of joint pain, can barely move. So it's not about age, it's really about functional ability. And we say we gotta be training people for maximizing their function, which is why we gotta do stuff like get them down on the floor and you know work on power and speed and agility and balance and cognitive ability and neuromuscular function. And so we say there's six domains of function as a fitness professional you gotta be working with people on. So that's how we train trainers. Um, so people can, can really, really live amazing lives, right? Like, why why shouldn't your 70s be the absolute best decade of your life, right? It really it really should be, right? Until you get to your 80s, right? I mean, why why the reason we think it's not is because we have bought into well, to grow old must mean you're sick, or it must mean you can't do yep. things. But what if it doesn't yep. mean that, right? What if in your 70s you can do anything you want to do? Um, and so that's really how we design our training programs so people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond can do anything they want to do in life. And so if people want to find out more about us, um, really going to functionalaginginstitute.com is pretty much the best place. We have a free starter kit there for trainers uh, that they can check out. Um, and then we actually have two books available. Um, Never Grow Old is a bestseller on Amazon. That's really for anyone. That's for the the average listener saying, hey, I just want some exercise tips, some tactics, some workouts, some how do I do this. Um, and then we have a, a book actually for fitness professionals that, that want to get into this, that hopefully have heard from me like, hey, this is a huge opportunity. Um, and we have a, a book for them. Um, you can get it on Amazon, um, but you can also get it direct through us uh, for free. You just pay shipping and it's get getboomerclients.com. All right, very good. So I hope you got that, guys, out there. Um, real quick, Brett, you're wondering what Silver Sneakers is. So Silver Sneakers is a program that's been around for a while. It's a health and fitness um, opportunity for individuals that are 65-plus, and it's largely, um, let's see, coordinated through their insurance. So through Medicare, certain Medicare plans, and it gives them either free or discounted access to fitness locations across the nation, to classes, to some training, although I would argue that it's vastly different from what Dan is talking about today. And it's just encouraging movement more than anything. And I feel like the functional aging that we're talking about tonight, if I can use that phrase, is so much more than just keeping, just staying moving. It's, you know, moving with a purpose. And I know that, Dan, you had talked about several facets of this training that you focus on with this demographic. And I know we don't have time to go into every single one that you um, referenced earlier, but what are some of the key most common key areas that you find a lot, I mean, I know every client's different, but that you find a lot of your clients need the most. What, what aspects of the training um, seem to be the most popular? Yeah, so I would say it really does vary because some clients, boy, it's just obvious they have a strength deficit, right? But then other clients, mm -hmm. especially men, um, their lower body strength is pretty good, just their balance and their coordination is terrible, right? And so 
actually the last thing I want to do is get them stronger because then they actually fall worse, right? And so it is a case-by-case -case basis, but typically I say because we function on our feet and because we have to do things on our feet, we have to train balance, agility, and mobility, right? And so when I say mobility, I'm really talking about movement, uh, your ability to be mobile, step over things, step around things, step up things, step down things, um, carry something, right? Pick something up. Um, all these different mobility movements are so critical. So we want to look at a lot of different functional movement patterns. Can you pick something up, put it up on a shelf? Can you pick something up, climb up a step with it? Can you step over things, step around things? Even obstacle courses can be a lot of fun. Um, and then functional lower body strength is critical, right? Can you get out of a chair? Can you move from a chair to a chair? Can you get up from the floor? Can you get up from the floor without your hands? Can you get up from the floor carrying something? Can you climb stairs carrying something overhead? I always joke and say, look, you're probably never going to go up and down stairs carrying the laundry basket overhead, but I know if you can do it in the gym, then you can go up and down stairs without a railing carrying stuff, right? And that means you're going to be functionally independent in your home. So, those are probably the three big things. We look at functional lower body strength, mobility, and then agility movement patterns, right? Your ability to, to just move well, um, because we know those things are gonna impact your ability to reduce falls, to navigate your environment, to do anything and everything, right? If your grandkids say, hey, let's go for a hike, you can functionally do it uh, and, and actually enjoy it, right? Not just survive it, but actually thrive at it um, which is really what we want, right? We want people to get out and do stuff. And so our training should be foundational for you to be able to go be more active in life, um, which puts you on a positive trajectory uh, instead of a declining trajectory. What we see is most people get more and more inactive as they age. They choose not to do activities or participate in things, or they say, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And that just puts you on a slow downward decline because you're essentially missing out, you're not moving, you're not participating. And so we gotta get people off the bench and back in the game. And, and we really wanna train people so they can get out there and do anything they want. Amen to that. I mean, and I think that just keeps people, I mean, we're already living longer, but the quality of life is so much better when you continue to do the things that you want. I've already uh, told my kids, I'm like, don't, don't put me in a nursing home, just just put me on the corner of a, a, a timber somewhere and just let me walk. <laughs> we'll see what happens if worse comes to worse. Oh I mean, I don't know. That is one of my biggest fears. I do not want to be there. And I know there are a lot of good care facilities, but I know there are some that aren't. And I I don't want to be trapped in a nursing home. Um, I think there are a lot of people who maybe feel that way. So, in, you know, and I definitely don't want my mom to be in one either. I want to be able for her to live on her own as long as she can and or live with me if need be as long as she can. But in order to do that, she still has to be able to do some things under her own steam in order to yeah. have that yeah. level I mean, of quality not, not, of life. No one so. listening here is like, oh, I can't wait to be in a nursing home, right? Like none no. of us right, no. aspires to none that. In fact, when we survey most people uh, in their 60s and 70s, they want to stay in their own home for as long yes. as possible, right? Um, they might have aspirations to move into a, a condo uh, or, you know, a patio home or, or a, a neighborhood where their lawn care is done, but they don't really aspire to move into a nursing home, right? Like that, 
um, is definitely a negative view of aging, and it's something we all want to avoid. And so we try to tell people, look, if, if you can maintain your functional independence, there's no reason why you can't stay in your home as long as possible. And one of the keys is not just living longer, but living long healthier longer, right? You really want to live up yeah. to your days and be sick and dying for about a week, right? Like we really, we really want to compress that time where we're declining to death to a week to 10 days, not for it to be multiple years where we're suffering oh, other no. people taking care yeah. of us. And that's so yeah. critical. doesn't do us any good to extend lifespan to 100 if we spend 10 years sick and suffering. No. Very true. We don't want that. We don't want that. Um, all right. I've got a few quick questions here. Um, that I want to make sure that we get to. Lisa, I know you asked this a little bit ago. Parkinson's, you're wondering more about that. I don't know that any of us here are Parkinson's experts. Dan, if you've got more to chime in on that disease, feel free. In simplest terms, the way I can explain Parkinson's is a, uh, it's a nervous system disorder that affects movement. Um, it can you you might notice it in hand tremors or shaking stiffness, um, you know maybe difficulty in walking those sorts of things, um, and it's degenerative. It it will gradually get worse over time. Um, um, people may have difficulty not only walking but talking. But that is about my extent of the knowledge of Parkinson's. I have not worked with anyone, nor have I um, had any experience with anyone with Parkinson's. Dan, I don't know, in your clientele, do you work a lot with individuals with Parkinson's, or is there anything you can share on this area? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, jo- Joanne, who I shared the story about, the, the 81-year-old gal who yes. wanted to go to the Tropic Coast Island, she had Parkinson's. And so That's right. walking a block was all she could do and not only was it all she could do it was physically exhausting to her because every step was so difficult and so she needed pretty aggressive training to improve her cardiovascular endurance so she could walk a mile she needed to improve her strength her balance so she could actually take the trip and enjoy it and not worry about falling so parkinson's um it 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 only affects uh, a small percentage uh, of older adults um we, we see typically three to four clients a year here with it, um, so about one to two percent of our clientele um, is, is affected by it. So it's not common, even though we hear about it a lot. Um, it, it's about one out of a hundred uh, older adults uh, are affected by it, um, but it, it's going to impact balance. It's going to impact agility, and so... I tell I tell anyone that has Parkinson's, you have double the reason to be training, exercising, and doing it regularly because not only are you aging, but the Parkinson's is attacking your body uh, in a negative way as well, which is accelerating yeah. your aging. So you've got to be fighting it as hard as you possibly can. Um, there are lots of different um, great training protocols out there. Rock Steady Boxing is a great one for Parkinson's. Um, there's a delay the disease exercise program. There's a variety of different training programs, but a good functional training program is going to help people improve their balance, their strength, all of which is going to help them deal with their Parkinson's. Um, 
there's no exercise program that's going to stop the disease. Um, the question is just how aggressively can we fight it, right? It's the difference between do you want to be a 70-year-old that is the most fit, strongest, has the best balance with Parkinson's, or the 70-year-old who's sedentary, weak, has let their balance go, has become a fall risk, and you have Parkinson's, right? And so um, I just tell people with Parkinson's, you have literally no excuse to not be exercising. In fact, it's a must for you because you're not yes. going to overcome it. So you've got to get after it if you've got Parkinson's. And we've got some resources to help people. We've got a couple of experts that focus on Parkinson's. So we usually refer people to them um, because we don't, honestly, we don't see that many people with Parkinson's a couple a year. Um, but we have a couple trainers in our network that really specialize in it that see 20 to 30 Parkinson's clients a year. All right. That sounds great. And Samantha, um, I know what you're sharing, your mom doesn't necessarily, she doesn't have Parkinson's, but I think what Dan just said about, you know, individuals with Parkinson's really have no excuse. They need to get after it. I think that applies to your mom too. I know she is afraid, um, but with the, um, you know, incidents that she had, she really needs to go after it too. So guys, what Samantha was saying is that her mom has had two knee and one hip replacements. She lives with the fear of breaking something else. Getting her to even leave the house is a true challenge. This sounds like something she would really benefit from if we could get her out of her fear and out of the house. Any suggestions? And I know, Dan, you've talked about, you know, identifying their why. You've just really, you know, cut to the chase and said when you have, you know, certain health conditions that are already prominent, you above all else need to take part in something like this to help your cause. There's really no excuse for you not to. So beyond those two points, I guess, Dan, I'll open this up to Kayla and also, are there any other suggestions you might have to help families get over this? And if they don't have their own positive stories, you know, Dan, I'll bounce this one back to you. Um, do you have case studies where, you know, someone could go to and read about how this has helped other per other people to possibly encourage them to get started with something like this? Yeah, I mean, even just picking up a copy of our book, Never Grow Old, uh, off of Amazon could help because we feature tons of stories in there of people in their 70s, 80s, 90s, 60s, um, so, so that can help. But I usually say, you know, the, the best thing to do is to find a place that's going to make uh, her feel comfortable, you know, him him or her, you know, if it's your dad, if it's your mom, your aunt, your uncle, you got to find a place they're going to feel comfortable because I think in a lot of cases they're thinking, oh, you're going to make me go to a place where it's too hard, I feel out of place, I don't know how to use the mm -hmm. equipment, every half my age. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Find a place that's function, functioning for her, right? You know, if you can find a place that has a functional aging specialist, has a studio that's designed for people in their 70s and 80s, she's going to feel like, oh, well, this place actually understands me. This place fits me. I'm not scared. I'm not intimidated. There's there's people here like me. Maybe I can do this, you know. So I think that is pretty critical. Um, and if you don't know where to start to even look for that, um, reach out to us because we have thousands of trainers across the country we might be able to find you one literally in your neighborhood. Um, there are studios possibly in your neighborhood focused on this age group. And so I think that's critical. People want to 
exercise with folks that make them feel comfortable, right? Nobody yeah. nobody wants to take swimming lessons that doesn't know how to swim and be thrown in the deep end of the pool and said, best of luck to you, Mom, you know? So so we have to find a program that <laughs> her, is going to make her feel like she can succeed and make her feel like she can be a part of this, right? And so I think that's a key starting point. All right. Yeah, awesome. Thanks I, I, for that. I, Go ahead, Kayla. Well, I was just, well, just going to jump in because I've, I've, I've actually – been in both scenarios, and, and I like Dan saying, they have to be able to engage in the people that they're working with. And, and I'm just amazed at uh, the people that are basically put off simply because the, the people they're speaking with don't have an answer. So they don't give any response that will give them hope either. So it, it's a, it's a, I've, I've said this many times, you know, it, it's great to want to help people, but it's great to know how to help them with what they're asking. And mm, I think because mm-hmm. it's where we are, we, we, we live in an environment where if you don't know the answer, you don't say anything. So you're not providing hope or reason or an answer. So basically, any depression that's already set in will only increase or, or worsen. So, you know, we got to be careful with how we do, because I've also said many times, if I don't have an answer, I guarantee I know someone who does. And that at least provides an outlet where the hope doesn't have to die. There's still a chance and an opportunity for an answer to be to be to be given. And it's just it's just amazing to me how we we steal the hope from others by not being engaging enough to want to truly help instead of basically giving uh, cliched answers. Uh with the Parkinsons, I I have a, a client that uh has that and he's an interesting uh, case study because he had a chip implanted in his brain, and he's one of those uh, uh, pioneers in that in that area. And uh, so his mobility, he basically had to relearn because you know, of course, some uh, some parts of his brain had to be reasserted and and and, and learn to engage where the the old pathways had to be taken out. So you know, working with him, like like Dan was saying, where he couldn't tie a shoe. He couldn't even stand up on his own, and now he can basically. He's, he's very mobile. Uh, he's much more active, and he he loves the golf game again, and he loves being able to walk all the greens without having to basically uh, get the golf cart and and watch his brother kick his butt. So you know, it, it's the little things that we think about, and and you get to see where it that 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 light. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody's seen light go out of someone's eyes. But it's nice, and it's such a blessing to watch it return. And just to see him enjoying life like he does, it, it's really a testament to, to how the body can adjust to all that happens to it if it has a mind that's willing to push it. So, you know, we, we, we have a lot of things that we can do, but there's so much more we should do to make sure that our elders are basically growing old in, in a healthy fashion. That, that, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you for I couldn't agree more. And and the reality is, it's it's in our best interest um, actually for people to age really well because um, they're so much better members of society and community, and they have so much life experience and so much to give back. And when you think about how many schools and hospitals and soup kitchens and churches depend on volunteers, most of whom are retired. Uh, we need yeah. them to be aging well and aging healthy. Um, my goodness, so many places 
um, our, our volunteer workforce is 70% people over the age of 60. And so That's we true. need them to age well, right? We need them to take care of themselves. Um, they're a essential part of our economy, our community, our society. Um, I always say every grandmother that we get more fit is a grandmother that can impact her grandchildren in way more powerful ways, right? As an example, as an inspiration, uh, as a friend, as a mentor, um, as opposed to a grandmother that literally can't engage because she doesn't have the physical ability or energy to do so. And so, um, so it is in our best interest. It's, it's not, not only is it an economic opportunity, not only is it a business opportunity, but it's also a, a huge positive impact on our communities as a whole. Um, I mean, it's just, it's a win for all of us. Amen to that for sure. Um, question here from Deborah. She wants to know, as a family, is it better to try and get a parent who is inactive, just moving in general, you know, within the family? Or is it better to have them go straight to a trainer to just start working with them off the bat there? Well, it, it really depends on the person and, and obviously their financial um, situation, right? If they have the financial means, um, they certainly should look for professional help uh, from a trainer because a trainer is going to be able to help them with range of motion issues and joint pain. Um, I think the, the mistake we make sometimes um, is is we think, oh, well, if we can just get mom or dad walking, um, and I always tell people walking is nice, but it's not sufficient, right? Um, and, and then I just start to ask people, you know, like if all you do is walk, is that going to help you pick up and carry the groceries in and out of the house? Is that going to help you carry 20 pounds? Mm-hmm. Get up from the floor, right? Like you can't even get up and down from the floor if all you do is walk. You can't climb stairs. Pretty soon people realize walking is not really sufficient to keep mom or dad totally independent. And so walking's nice, but we got to get people doing more than that. Um, and so seeking out a professional to get a program, get some guidance, e- even if they just join a – uh, on anytime fitness or a, a local health club that can give them some guidance, give them a program. Um, Cause the last thing we want them to do is go join a gym and, and just walk on the treadmill, right? Like that's not going to give them right. what they need. So we've got to make sure they're getting some good, robust functional training in a variety of domains. Um, because if all they do is walk, they're still going to have a lot of functional decline. Uh, walking doesn't really help your balance and agility. Walking doesn't help your lower body strength. Walking doesn't help your upper body strength. So, so it's it's not sufficient. Um, but certainly, uh, I always say we do want to try to include uh, our parents in activities, right? I mean, get them involved, yeah. get them active, get them participating, take them on hikes, take them on walks, make them participate. So um, don't let them sit back and miss out simply because of their age, right? Like, hey, we're going to the beach. You're going too. Yeah. Um, this one is a – this is like like I like Dan said earlier with the case-by-case case because you're definitely dealing with some dysfunctional families, some combative families, and then you have some loving families. But I, I would say love your parent enough to want to see them at their best because honestly you're the next generation of what you're doing to them. So if you don't see them uh, to the end, then it's a good chance your parents, your children won't do the same for you. So, you know, we, we teach what we do and, and we can extend that 
by showing how to t- how to do that life and how to extend it. I mean, and if like like I was saying earlier, if you know how to help someone, it's much better for everyone involved because it's not just uh, getting them active, but showing them the purpose of it and the activity. And and when you have positive minded people, they speak life all the time. Everywhere they go, they're they're speaking things, and and most trainers are helping people because they have a passion to do so. So you know it, it's it's a lot involved, but the thinking is is a big part of the why. And if someone has lost that spark, it's not that they didn't have it in the beginning of their life, but somewhere along the way it got derailed, and sometimes it becomes a big fog, and they they kind of lose track of that. And if there's no one there to support them or their or their ideals, then sometimes it just goes into silence. So we have to, you know, you have to have people that can walk them back. Uh, they and a lot of times when you have uh, children that are used to arguing with their parents, they don't respond in the way that would be helpful or successful, or even motivating. So you know, there's a, it's it's a lot involved in that. But there's also a lot of people around that can get them back because, you know, sometimes you're not the right person. <laughs> and it's not easy to hear, but it's the truth. I mean, there's a lot of people in our lives that we're just not set out to line up with, and we can be the worst thing for them. And sometimes it's our parents that are, are, are that person. And then there's other times where we're the best person because we know our parents so well because we molded our whole life after them. And then there's just the ones where, you know, you never got along and you never figured out why because you never cared to figure out that why. So, you know, it just know yourself, be honest with yourself, and be honest with the uh, the interactions you have with your parents, and then go from there. Des? All right. There you have it, guys. We have about two minutes left. One uh-huh. last question. I know. It just went by incredibly fast. I could probably talk about this for another hour, but here we go. We're going to flip the script a little bit. Um, this last one is from Brenda. She's asking, doesn't good health stave off osteoporosis in women? Dan, what have you to say on that? Yeah, well, I would say um, the the first answer I would say to that is no. Um, the reality is osteoporosis is essentially just a decline in bone mass. Um, and so, you can be healthy and develop osteoporosis. Uh, you cannot be healthy and never get osteoporosis. Um, typically, things like cancer and major disease where we go on powerful medications can increase our risk for osteoporosis because we're taking medications oh, wow. that impact uh, our body's ability to, to lay down bone and, and can rob us of bone minerals. Um, so things like going on chemo and radiation and things like that can can accelerate, essentially, osteoporosis for people. Yeah. Um, but to, to give you a, a simple example, people of the best health, right? I mean, people that train and train and train become astronauts, they go up in space, and they come back with osteoporosis, right? So how does this happen? Well, osteoporosis is a uh, really an impact of the amount of forces that we're placing on our bones. And so if we're sedentary for a long time, and we're not physically active, and we're not strength training, and we're not doing activities that stimulate bone density like movement, you know, running, walking, uh, weight-bearing activities, 
we can essentially be healthy and still develop osteoporosis. Um, and we could be unhealthy um, and not develop it. In fact, we see a higher incidence of osteoporosis in women and a higher incidence in it in smaller women. And so a lot of that has to do with if you're a 100-pound female, well, you don't have as dense of bones to begin with, and you don't place force on those bones. Whereas if you're an overweight female, 170, 180, 200 pounds, depending on your height, uh, you could be 170 and not be overweight. But um, let's say you're a five-foot female and you're 175 pounds and you're 40 pounds overweight. That might actually be protective towards getting osteoporosis. Oh, wow. We might say, wait a minute, this person isn't as healthy as the person at optimal weight, but it's a protective thing when it comes to osteoporosis because you're placing more force uh, on your bones, you're requiring more of them, your bones will be denser, um, which is often why um, it, it's sort of ironic, but people that are overweight or obese, um, oftentimes when they fall, they don't break their hip because they have more body mass, their bones are a little bit denser, they have more fat tissue, and so their, their fall isn't as severe as a thinner, uh, what we might even think of as a fitter uh, older female she falls and breaks her hip, right? And we say, hey, she, she seemed like she was healthy. So it's, I've seen that it's not um, as simple as to say, hey, if you're healthy, you won't get uh, osteoporosis. It's a little more complex than that. So um, okay. obviously being healthy is a protective thing, but you've got to be doing, um, you have to be doing impact activities, strength training, forces that are going to force your body to maintain your bone density. And of course, nutrition uh, plays a role as well. So I, I jokingly say uh, osteoporosis and lifestyle chronic type diseases um, oftentimes really have very little to do with age. Uh, they have to do with 30 to 40 years of sitting on the couch eating ice cream. It, it has an accumulation no effect. It eventually catches up with us. <laughs> that monster All right, there it. you have it. I hope that helps answer your question. And I know how some of you out there are thinking, so do not use this as an excuse to sit on your couch and eat ice cream, okay? Right. I know. Don't don't be writing me and say, hey, I can do this because I'm protecting my bones. I'm avoiding osteoporosis. No, that is not the right attitude to have out there. So, all right, oh, we're just going to clear okay. that up you right like now. You go, so no hogging does. <laughs> No, <laughs> just one spoon, not the whole carton. <laughs> and with that, Dan, I just want to say thanks so much for joining us. I know I have thoroughly enjoyed this discussion on functional Learned aging. It's really opened up my mind, and I appreciate the time and the knowledge that you've shared with us. I know um, you have a Functional Aging Institute coming up. I believe it's next month. Can you just quickly share with us? the dates and details about that, and then if anybody wants to follow up with you, I'm sure that they will. Yeah, absolutely. So our annual conference is called the Functional Aging Summit. You just go to functionalagingsummit.com. Um, it's June 14th and 15th, so exactly a month from now. Um, it's a Friday, Saturday, two-day event, and we talk all things functional aging training um, for the clients over 55 from marketing to sales to functional training tactics, corrective exercise, inspirational stories, you name it, we've got it, about 40 sessions in total. So it's a, it's a really great time. All right, awesome. And with that being said, guys, you know, our best years are just getting started.
started. Um, so, you know, don't don't think getting older is the end. It's really just a continuation. If not for some, it's just the beginning who are just embracing what their potential is. So on behalf of Dan, Functional Aging, the Functional Aging Summit, Kaylin, Snickerdoodle lovers everywhere, not to forget the Chocolate Way lovers out there, the boys from P4P Muscle, your body is a temple, so let's build it.